Welcome to Fostering Our Faith podcast. Today's guest, Jesse Beerling, graduated from Cal Poly San Luis Obispo with a BS in child development and pre-health with minors in psychology and religious studies. Jesse has formerly worked for Ventura County CFS and for CASA, a court-appointed special advocates. Jesse was also the first resident director or host parent in James Storehouse Transitional Home to four teenage girls aging out of foster care ages 18 to 22, mentoring and assisting them as they transition into independent adulthood. As associate director, Jesse provides foresight and leadership for the organization's continued growth to best meet the growing needs in serving the community in new, creative ways. Jesse's work includes planning and executing large events, public speaking, communication with donors and volunteers, website and social media management, integration of a trauma-informed approach, and daily interface with clients. Jesse's life passion is for foster care, specifically with advocacy at the policy level to end the multi-generational cycle of foster care. Let's listen in as she shares her incredible story. Jesse, welcome to Fostering Our Faith podcast. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. So reading your bio, I mean, I just, I had tears in my eyes. Your work is phenomenal. Uh, I became an aged out youth at 20 and ended up in a really horrible place because I was institutionalized for four years. And so I know our stories are kind of similar and the work that you are doing for the Lord is just incredible. I know that I am so eager to see how you got started in the world of foster care and how you built this world of support for these kids and and really young adults. Um, So can you share a bit about your story and how the Lord led you into this area? Yeah, first, I just wanted to thank you. Uh, Based on what I've learned from working with youth who have aged out, they respond so well to other people who are like them. And so I just thank you for the work that you do, because I know how much of a difference it makes when it comes from someone who's lived in their shoes. So. to get into my story with that, I currently work for James Storehouse. We're a foster care resource center. We support youth and caregivers and bio families. Formerly, I've also worked for Ventura County Child and Family Services, and I had the opportunity to intern for CASA, which is Court Appointed Special Advocate. One of the most lived experiences, though, that I think relates so much to your life story is I was a host parent uh, to four girls who were aging out of foster care. We have a home at our organization um, and that's for girls who are 18 to 22 years old to live after they have aged out when they might not have support from family or finances. So I lived there as staff to help support and mentor them even though they were adults, um, just to have a little bit of extra guidance and help them in the process of independence. So that was a really great experience uh, for me to really learn firsthand. It's one thing to talk the talk. It's a very different thing to live it and to really see what these girls experience and live through um, by living with them in that period of time really taught me so much about my faith and about the Lord. And I feel lucky um, on one hand, I'll, I'll come back to that. I feel lucky on one hand to have really learned about this population at a young age. When I was in high school, actually, pretty young, we learned about current events in one of my classes. And one of those current events was learning about the foster care system. 
So I remember having one of those moments. Uh, I call it a Holy Spirit moment. And if you or if anyone listening has had one of those as well, I think you might know what that feels like. But it was just one of those moments where I knew I couldn't do nothing anymore. Now that I know, now that I have this heart feeling, I have to do something. And I was young at the time, so I didn't know what that looked like or how to be involved. But I just knew that was where God was leading me and calling me. And then I went to college and years later, I had what I look back to now as one of the most defining moments of my faith. Um, I had one of those encounters where I, at the moment, heard of other people speaking about and would have been skeptical of hearing about these God encounters. I had never experienced anything like that before. Uh, But one night in the middle of the night, I woke up and it was dark out because it was the night. However, it was very bright in my room. And I heard a very clear and audible voice say, tend my sheep. And at the moment that phrase, which is a Bible verse, didn't mean anything to me in my life. I didn't have any personal connection to that verse, but I scribbled it down on my phone. So that's how I know I was at least somewhat awake because I woke up in the morning and I looked at the passage and I looked it up and I found it was from John. And Jesus was commanding his disciple Peter to tend his sheep after he was going to leave and go back into heaven. And so that phrase, tend my sheep, has stuck with me ever since in my faith journey. And I see those sheep as being these kids who are in foster care, these youth who are aging out, bio families who are hoping to reunify. That's the sheep that I see as those who I'm called to tend. And I feel, like I said, lucky that I received that calling from a young age. However, I also laughed and kind of feel like I was thrown into the deep end of my passion and I learned how to swim as I went. Um, But I also know how God really just led me throughout that process. And the past years of working within the system, I've seen God transform me, transform these kids, transform our county to bring healing and to bring hope uh, to these families who are in need of it. And I really hope for the next phase of my life, I can continue that legacy of tending his sheep. Speaking of that moment, 2020, I'm laying in my bed and it's like January, 2020. So like everything's fine. My birthday's coming up. Like it's going to be a great year. Audibly, like as if somebody were standing next to me I heard you're going to go through some stuff. Hmm. And I just was like, okay, sure. <laughs> you know, and it just, it, it seems so just okay. And, and 2020 was really bad. I mean, you know, like the pandemic, my husband had cancer. Um, we were stuck in the house with seven, I say stuck, but like we have like a lot of acres here. So I feel for the people of New York city, but we had seven kids. My teenager was just getting into TikTok and singing. So that was happening. And it was just, I went from a full planner full of stuff to nothing. And I like broke because it just was such a shift. And I just remember that, that was what I clung to is you're going to go through some stuff like you're going to, you're going to go through it, but I'm here. I am with you. We're going to do this together. And I just, that got me through 2020. Um, and even like 2021, it's just continued. It's just been fun. Um, but I, I know that audible voice, I, I, 
never in my wildest dreams would like think that it would you know have happened but it did i know that it did and um so i know exactly what you're talking about and it's, it was a very cool moment in my life it was a defining moment mm. in my life that's that's for sure um so i know you have the purposeful parenting which is the course for teen mothers in foster in the foster care system which i mean i i love that we have here in our county um it's a home for pregnant teenage mothers, not necessarily um, in foster care, but just pregnant teenage mothers. And actually, I'm sorry, we do have one that is, um, it's in, it's part of the children's home, the orphanage that we have here, which I know America doesn't like to hear the word orphanage, but they're like right there. Um, and so I know they have one for um, foster teens as well. And so I love it um, because so often foster care is multi-generational. And so you have a kid who, you know, her mom grew up in foster care and then now she's in foster care. Now she's pregnant. So that baby's going to go into foster care and it just, it just cycles over and over and over again. And two of our adopted kids, their mothers were on the same caseload as their now adoption worker. So, I mean, this is very, very prevalent. So can you give us a glimpse into the world of being a pregnant teen in care? Yes. So where I work now is James Storehouse. I'll tell you a little bit more about that later. But one of the programs that we offer is called Purposeful Parenting, like you mentioned. And that is exactly for the reason that you talked about how foster care is multi-generational. Uh, for those listening who might not know, 75% of teen girls who are in foster care, who are aging out, will be pregnant by the time they turn 21 years old. And so this is often how the cycle continues. These moms who might be 15, 16 years old, they're not bad mothers. They're not bad people. They're just under-equipped. They don't have the financial resources. They don't have emotional resources. They don't have babysitters or family members who can help care for their babies. So often these moms will have babies that then enter the system, like you mentioned, simply because they don't have support. So we really value prevention at James Storehouse. And so when we look at these stats and we see that the cycle continues this way, we think, what if we helped these moms before their kids entered care? Then we can help break the cycle. We say that one of our North Stars is to end the multi-generational cycles of poverty, abuse, and neglect. And when those end, then those children for legacies and legacies will have families that will not enter the system. So that is our hope and that is our goal. And we start that first by providing a relationship opportunity with a baby shower. So when these moms are pregnant, their social workers in our county know to notify us and we will host a baby shower for them. So at these baby showers, they can get anything that they need on their wish, wish list. If they need a car seat, stroller, diapers, clothing, whatever they need, they get it all. So this is um, hundreds or thousands of dollars of net worth of goods that they can receive for free. And then we also have uh, moms and we have grandmas and we have teens who come and attend these showers so that they feel like they have relational support as well. So that's how we meet and that's how we form a relationship with these moms in our county who are in the system. And then from there, they're invited to the next step of purposeful parenting, which is a monthly support group. 
So we meet once a month and we discuss different topics like child development and potty training and car seat safety. But we also do fun things with them. Like we go to the pumpkin patch and we have a Christmas party and we just want to make sure that they feel like they have a place to belong, that they have a support group, that they have people to go to in need. And then beyond the group that meets once a month, they can also come back to our resource center for ongoing resources whenever they need. So if they need a larger size clothing, if they need a bigger car seat, if they need more diapers, they can come make an appointment and come and receive those things so that finances are never a barrier or support is never a barrier for why these moms will have children who then enter the system. So we like to say that they can break the cycle. And I would love to tell you the story that just really captures our heart behind this whole program. I actually got to see her today. She just randomly showed up in our office um, right before this. Her name is Irel, and I tell you that because she actually told me that she wanted me to tell this story um, with you all. So I can share her name with you. Uh, but she was 15 years old when her parents abandoned her. So she was left completely on her own. She was too scared to go to any form of authorities at the time. So she just lived on her own. She raised herself as a 15 year old. She continued going to school and she hid the fact that she was living on her own. And she even accomplished achieving straight A's, but then she got pregnant. So now she had to figure out how am I going to not only raise myself, but I'm now gonna have to raise a baby as well. This is when we met her. Her social worker brought her to our purposeful parenting class, and we were able to help her in this process. We delivered groceries to her house once a month. We helped her with resources for the baby and a baby shower. But now she was stuck because even though she was doing so well in school, childcare was going to cost her more than what she was going to make at her minimum wage job that she was working at the time. So she had to quit her job. And there is just no way that she can make it out of this path that she was stuck on without support. She didn't even have her driver's license because she never had parents who taught her how to drive. So she needed a lot of support. We work with this amazing woman in our community. She is a lawyer. And so she actually offered a job to this young woman to work as basically an office assistant at her attorney's office. But the problem was, the job was about 30 minutes away from where she lived, and she didn't have any transportation. We're in Southern California, and unfortunately, we don't have reliable public transportation. So she would have had to figure out how to get to work, even though she had this wonderful job that was offered to her. So this is my favorite story because it just really shows the power of community and the power of God. At that time, um, someone paid for her to take driver's ed lessons um, of community member. So she was able to get her license. And in the period of time, the few months it took her to get her license, another community member paid for her to Uber every single day to work, which was a 30 minute drive there and back so that she could start the job without having to say no. That ended up being thousands of dollars in Uber costs. And then now she has her license and she has the job, but she still needs a car. And so someone else in the community donated their car for this young woman. And so to this day, this is about two years ago when this was all going on. Two years later, now she has been working at 
this job for two years. She's completely stable in an apartment that she pays for with her funding, with her salary. And now she actually has two kids and her husband, who they all live together as one family unit. And her goal now is to become a paralegal or an attorney to help other women like herself who are in just situations where it has nothing to do with their own ability and has to do with their circumstances. And so she wants to help them. And she has broken that cycle that we were talking about, that multi-generational cycle of foster care. She has broken it. And so her two children now will not enter the system and their children will enter the system, all because she just received some support in her time of need. And that is James 127. This is, you know, when when it's talking about visiting orphans, you know, which I know America likes pretty. They don't like to think that there's orphans on their kids' baseball teams or, you know, uh, they are. Uh, but James is not talking about going and visiting them. You know, with, with our ministry, you know, it's it's sitting down with the grandmother who just got custody of her kids and has to get fingerprinted. You know, it's about holding the NAS baby so that mom can finally wipe down her counters because, you know, NAS babies cry if you put them down. And so it's about relationship. That's what James is talking about. He's, you know, you have to be able to see these people. You have to be able to help these people and, and inspire these people. And most importantly, bring these people the gospel. You know, that's that's the huge part of this. And, and what I'm hearing from you, I mean, it just blows me away because that is exactly that's exactly what we're supposed to be doing as the church is showing up for these people. And I believe because it is, you know, orphans and widows, it's two very unseen populations. Um, my aunt that raised me recently passed and I'm watching my uncle, you know, not necessarily a widow because he's a man, but you know, he's lonely. You know, he just wants somebody to like give him a call or, you know, hey, let's go to the store, or, um, you know, just to be there, essentially, just be there for that relationship. So when I hear this story, I mean, not only is it transformational, it is it is inspiring. You know, it makes people like you said, you're grabbing people from the community and you're giving them legs to do something about foster care, about uh, teenage moms, you know, you're you're letting them have a part of this. And that is like, I think one of the most powerful things that we can do as a church. Um, and so I, beautiful. I mean, just absolutely beautiful. So Thank looking you. at James's storehouse, uh, I just, I see that you guys get it. I mean, I, I, I see you bringing dignity, worth, significance, you know, just letting them be seen for something other than being in foster care, you know, something other than their current living situation. It's so important to kids and it's so important to young adults. And it's cool. It's a really cool thing. And I mean, I, I was watching um, the video of, of your prom, you know, like these these girls go in and, and here is the thing that most people don't know is that when you're in foster care, sometimes you're ostracized. So you don't go to things like proms. Um, you know, you might might not have the money to go to prom. You know, you might not have the money for the dress or the limo or the, the ticket for, you know, some of these tickets are outrageous. And so watching what you guys do is bringing this normative experience to these kids who might not have had that, like, it totally made me cry. Um, you know, I, I did go to like one or two, uh, they weren't proms, but they were like dance kind of things um, while I was in care. 
And it was so cool, but I, I ended up not going to like the bigger things because I was getting myself into trouble and all kinds of other stuff. Um, and I, I just wouldn't have had anybody there that I would have hung out with, to be quite honest. Um, and so just watching these girls get dressed up and, and feeling beautiful about themselves. And these guys are, you know, they're looking like so handsome and they're like, you know, oh, we're, you know, we're men and, you know, it's just, it's a cool thing to do. I mean, that's, that's a really that's a really cool thing to do. Um, and so can you tell us a little bit about that and the rest of all of James's storehouses? Wonderful, wonderfulness. Yes, I'd love to share with you. So I love that you talked about James 127 because that's actually where we get our name as an organization. James Storehouse, uh, there is no real person named James. We get that question a lot. But James our name comes from that verse, James 127, that pure religion is to care for these widows, these orphans in our community. Uh, obviously, like you mentioned, they call them by different names, but the heart is still true. There's these people in need of support, women and children with, in need of homes. And so that's why we do what we do. Um, we're a foster care resource center, which I'll tell you a little bit about, but Beautiful You, like you mentioned, is a special event that we host once a year, and that is for teen girls who are in the system or who have been trafficked. And we bring them a special day of pampering where they get their hair and makeup done by professionals. They get to choose a dress. We have hundreds and hundreds of dresses in all colors, all sizes. They get to choose their dress and their shoes and they get to try them on in dressing rooms. We even have emotional support puppies this year. We have extra special stations like art and massage and even a career station where professionals come in and share advice, just simple tips and tricks for a resume or for an interview. So the whole heart behind the event is that these girls would feel pampered, would feel prepared and would feel seen and loved. And we just had that a few weeks ago and it was beautiful to see these girls really step into the beauty that they have, their natural beauty on the outside, but on the inside. And you can see that change in confidence when they feel seen by someone, when their beauty is acknowledged. And so that is one of my favorite events that we host every year. But um, that's just a small branch of what we do. Overall, James Storehouse is a resource center where we predominantly provide completely free resourcing for the community. Our motto is from cribs to college. So little newborn babies all the way up to youth who are emerging adults. We help them as long as they have some form of social worker. So caregivers, resource parents, youth who are aging out, families who are reunifying with their children. These are all people we love welcoming into our resource center. And they get to come shopping, which I say in air quotes because it's all free, but we really value dignity, like you said. So we want every person who comes to our front doors to feel like that they are worthy, that they are worthy of the best things. So we, they come in and they get to go shopping for clothes and for furniture items and for toiletries and for jewelry and makeup, whatever they might want or need. And all of these items have actually been donated by the community, which is just such a beautiful picture of support and of sustainability. People give either items of their own or they give uh, financial means for us to purchase new items. But we will only ever take items that are in the best condition, that are like new, that are worthy, so that they feel like they're getting good and quality things. Some of the best things, not what's left over. 
So these families can come in and they get to go shopping or they can pick up if they don't have enough time or if they don't have transportation, they can pick up items that have been pre-selected for them based on their gender and their size and their preference. So that is our largest program that we offer. Um, like you mentioned and like we talked about, we never want anyone to be limited by finances. We want parents to be able to say yes to taking children into their homes and that they have all the support needed to do so. We want youth who are turning 18 and living in apartments for the first time to have everything they need to do that well. Uh, so that's why we do what we do when it comes to tangible needs. Uh, but we follow uh, Abraham Maslow's, his hierarchy of needs. Um, where at the bottom, the first thing that is necessary is primary basic needs. So food, shelter, clothing, that is what's necessary. But after that, we can move up the pyramid and things like relationships and support are really what can help provide a full and complete thriving life. So after what we offer as basic needs, then we have the door opened for relationships to come. So we have a few other programs. We've talked about a few of them so far. We've talked about purposeful parenting, and I mentioned Beautiful You. Some of the other ones, we have a transitional home for those girls who are turning 18 years old and don't have anywhere to live because they've aged out of care. We actually have a transportation program as well, where we are able to give gently used vehicles to youth who are aging out and need uh, transportation. We have uh, Open Table, which is a mentorship model we utilize that connects youth with a family of mentors who have been trained and trauma-informed to help transition into a thriving and successful life. And we have other special events throughout the year. So we have sensory play days for caregivers and for youth. And we have a big back-to-school event in the summer where every child Last year, we had about 800 uh, kids registered for this. Every child receives a brand new backpack, brand new shoes, and a full day of carnival fun with superheroes and princesses and a taco truck. And all of those items are brand new and they're brands like Adidas and Nike and Jamsport and Vans because we want them to feel like they belong when they go to school on their first day, they have all the same clothes and the same backpacks that all the other kids have on the first day of school so that they feel dignified and that they feel like they belong with their peers. So that's the heart of all of the events that we offer and all the support and the programs is that we want kids who are in care or in the system to feel God's love and to feel the tangible support from their community to know that they are not alone. Jamie, this has been a wonderful conversation. Um, I, I always say, you know, if you know, you know. So, you know, often lived experience is what helps us to understand the system. You know, and I, I say this all the time that you can't just go to your best friend, you know, and, and talk about foster care. You have to go to somebody who understands. You have to go to somebody who knows what is happening and understands what, you know, the system, as they call it, um, you know, and so I just, I thank you for your heart. I thank you for following the Lord, you know, this impact that you're making. I feel like it's going to have like this ripple effect um, because this is not like, you're, you're not just doing this like inside of a bubble. This is being like transferred out to your community. And so when you see that ripple effect, you know, something great is happening because other people are jumping on board. 
And so it's it's a really cool thing to watch. Um, you know, we will definitely be praying for you. We're gonna be, you know, we're gonna be, you know, praying for James's storehouse, you specifically. Um, I mean, this is this is just a really this is an amazing thing that you're Lord, thank you for Jesse. Thank you for this incredible conversation. Thank you for stepping into her world all of those years ago. I pray that you keep her strong, keep her mission strong. I pray for James's storehouse and the incredible impact that they are having on their community. I pray that you use them to influence other people and encourage people to get involved in the lives of those in foster care and aged out youth. It's in the mighty name of Jesus I pray. Amen.